And we ask God to open the heavens, to pour out his spirit upon us, unleash his presence as we testify and teach of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I welcome you this here, here today. This is your instructor, Dr. D. Todd Harrison, as we will sit literally at the feet of Jesus Christ and listen to him speak to his prophet, the prophet Joseph Smith. Of that Jesus Christ, I testify that I know him. He knows me, and of him I testify to you. He lives today. He rose from the dead as all the holy prophets and apostles have declared. He sits at the right hand of his heavenly father in their heavenly temple. Of him, let all the angels bow. Let all the angels shout praise and hallelujah. Worthy is the lamb that was slain and that taketh away the sins of the world. We testify that the prophet Joseph Smith was a mighty prophet of God, foreordained from before the world was created to come forth in the 1800s to restore God's kingdom and God's church upon the earth, at which he faithfully fulfilled that mission. He was able to be the instrument in God's hands to restore Jesus Christ's kingdom, his bride, his church upon the earth, this church has continued since that beautiful day in April of 1830 to continue to grow and fill the earth more and more. Of that, we are eternally grateful. It's been another seven days, another wonderful seven days of seeing many people coming into Jesus Christ, saying, Jesus, I want to accept you as the Lord and Savior of my life. I want to join thy kingdom and thy church upon the earth. I want to receive all thy choices, blessings you have prepared for me from before this world was created. We will once again, during the course of our lesson today, leave in the description of this video a link. If at any moment during this lesson, those of you who are not yet members of the Church of Jesus Christ, when the Holy Ghost the Holy Spirit speaks to your soul and tells you it is time for you to become one of Christ. It is time for you to join his kingdom upon the earth. I want you to pause this video. I want you to click on that link. I want you to fill out your information to contact the missionaries. Let them teach you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let them baptize you by the authority and power of the holy priesthood. Let Take yourselves upon you the name of Jesus Christ, becoming a Christian through the process of the baptism and the receipt of the Holy Ghost. God will pour out his mighty blessings upon you. You will be more happy, more joyful, feel more blessed than you've ever felt in your entire life. Then you can come back and continue these videos and watch our other videos as you also work with the missionaries and coming unto Jesus Christ. Let's look today at the lessons of Liberty Jail. I don't know what it is about the wicked, but they sure love to throw prophets into jail. We see that in the New Testament repeatedly with Peter, with all 12 of the apostles. We see it with Paul multiple times. So therefore, it should not, it should not be a surprise to us that the wicked threw the prophet Joseph Smith unjustly unfairly, 
into jail as well. That fits the model of what prophets suffer in, in their lives. So they get thrown into jail uh, unfairly and unjustly, and that's what we have here. And so in the Dr. Covenants 121, we have Joseph, the prophet Joseph Smith, uh, uh, pouring out his soul unto God. And we'll read these verses starting in verse uh, 1 uh, through 8. O God, where art thou, and where is the pavilion that covereth thy hiding place? How long shall thy hand be stayed, and thy eye, yea, thy pure eye, behold the eternal heavens, behold from the eternal heavens the wrongs of thy people and of thy servants, and of thine ear be penetrated with their cries? Yea, O Lord, how long shall they suffer these wrongs? and unlawful oppressions before thine heart shall be softened toward them, and thy bowels be moved with compassion toward them. O Lord God Almighty, maker of heaven, earth, and seas, of all things that are in them, and who controllest and subjectest the devil, I love that part there, and the dark and benighted dominion of Sheol, stretch forth thy hand, let thine eye pierce, let thy pavilion be taken up, let thy hiding place no longer be covered, let thine ear be inclined, let thy heart be softened, and thy bowels moved with compassion toward us. Let thy anger be kindled against our enemies, and in the fury of thine heart, with thy sword, avenge us of our wrong. Remember thy suffering saints, O our God, and thy servants will rejoice in thy name forever. Now, that's what the prophet Joseph Smith is praying to Almighty God. And here we get Almighty God speaking back to his holy prophet. My son, peace be unto thy soul. Thine adversity and thine afflictions shall be but a small moment. And then, if thou endure it well, God shall exalt thee on high. Thou shalt triumph over all thy foes. And what a wonderful the blessing that was. And not just to the prophet Joseph Smith, but to all of us. As we go through the adversity, we may not be in jail unfairly, uh, unfairly in prison, but we will suffer through many afflictions in our life many adversities, uh, many persecutions in our lives. And yet if we endure those moments well, and they're a small moment, remember that 1,000 years of this earth is equivalent to one day of the Lord. So very few, you know, few moments, a few seconds in the time scale of eternity. If we suffer those things well, God shall exalt us on high, he promised through the apostle Paul in Romans that we will be joint, we will be heirs with God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. All that the God the Father has and all that Jesus Christ has, we shall also inherit if we will just endure these small moments of affliction well. What a mighty promise. Write it down. Always remember this verse of scripture when those moments come upon you. Look at verse 11. 
and they who do charge thee with transgression, those who are in who are inventing uh, false accusations against the prophet, and they've done the same thing with every prophet has ever lived on this earth. With transgression, their hope shall be blasted, and their prospects shall melt away, as the hope as the hoar frost melteth before the burning rays of the rising sun. We may not understand exactly what that means. It doesn't sound great, and it doesn't sound fun. Those who invent transgressions against his prophets shall suffer, and they will have no more hope. Isn't that incredible, right? They, their hope shall be blasted. Not only will they be cursed the rest of their earthly life, they will be suffer in spirit prison until the end of the millennium, when God will finally redeem them from the pits of hell and bring them into the into the telestial kingdom. It says that their hope shall be blasted. They shall have no more hope. They are under the judgments of Almighty God. Look at 13 through 24. And because their hearts are corrupted and the things which they are willing to bring upon others and love to have others suffer, they love to see the righteous suffer because they're so racked in the torment of hell, of their pain and their suffering and their misery, knowing that they are not keeping the commandments of God, knowing that they're the, under the divine judgments of God. They cannot rest. They feel terrible in their lives, and therefore they love to have others suffer. May come upon themselves to the very uttermost that they may be disappointed also and their hopes may be cut off. No more hopes. That's the second time he said that. And not many years hence, that they and their posterity shall be swept from under heaven, saith God, that not one of them is left to stand by the wall. Cursed are all those that shall lift up the hill against mine anointed. Not only do they not have hope, they are cursed, he says here saith the Lord, and cry they have sinned when they have not sinned before me. They invent and try to say that the prophets and apostles are sinning transgressions. They have not sinned before me, saith the Lord. They are cursed, he says here, but have done that which was meat in mine eyes. They faithfully fulfill their callings, their responsibilities. They are doing that which is right and meat in God's eyes and which I commanded them. But those who cry transgression do it because they are the servants of sin and are the children of disobedience among themselves. Why did people persecute the prophets? Why did they come out in open rebellion against them? Why do they mock what they say and what they teach? Why do they try to uh, attack them for those uh, for saying the words of the Lord? It's because, as God himself declares it here, they are the servants of sin and the children of disobedience. And those who swear falsely against my servants, that they might bring them into bondage and death, woe unto them, because they have offended my little ones. These are the little ones, remember, that Jesus kept mentioning in the New Testament. The little ones. We're not talking little babies here. We're talking his little ones, his his servants, his, his servants that serve humbly as though they're little children. They obey God's voice and do what he says. They shall be severed from the ordinances of my house. 
they will lose their temple blessings. They shall not be inheritors of the temple blessings and the temple covenants that they have made. Their baskets shall not be full. Their houses and their barns shall perish, whether in this life or in the in the life to come. Their barns, their their inheritances, they shall burn. They will inherit the lowest kingdom, uh, the lowest kingdoms, the lowest levels in the celestial kingdom after they have suffered in in the pits of hell and the uh, uh, for one thousand years in the spirit prison uh, during the uh, the period of time going up from now up until the millennium and through the millennium till the end of the 1,000-year reign of Christ. They shall be despised by those that flattered them. They shall not have right to the priesthood. They're going to be excommunicated from the church. They will lose the priesthood, nor their posterity after them from generation to generation. It had been better for them. Here we go. This goes right back to Jesus and Matthew, where it would be better, those who offend the little ones, remember, it would be better that they have a millstone uh, hanged about their necks and they were drowned in the depths of the sea. The resurrected Jesus Christ saying the same thing he said as the mortal Messiah. Woe unto all those that discomfort my people and drive and murder and testify against them, saith the Lord of hosts. A generation of vipers shall not escape the damnation of hell. Why does God talk like this all the time? We looked at this last week, right? Uh, you know, there's not a lot of nice things that ever come out of Jesus Christ's mouth. This happened when he was the mortal Messiah living on the earth. He talked like this to the people. He's talked like this all the way through the entire doctrine and covenants. It's out of his love that he talks like this. He's trying to shake you, trying to wake you up, trying to warn you of the possible consequences of your disobedience. If he didn't love you, if he wasn't willing to die for you, for your sins, he wouldn't warn the people, right? He just let them do whatever they wanted to do. He keeps warning them with strong words out of his love, his love that was so great that led him to die for you and for your sins. That's why he speaks like this over and over again. If he were nice, people wouldn't wake up. They wouldn't come to the recognition of their recognition of their sins and of their of their utter need to repent, to come unto him and receive forgiveness of their sins. Twenty-four. Behold, mine eyes see and know all their works, and I have in reserve a swift, a quick judgment in the season thereof for them all. Book of twenty-five through thirty-two. For there is a time appointed for every man according as his work shall be. In the book of Revelation, we're told that the books were opened and all mankind were judged according to their works that were found in these books. God shall give unto you knowledge by his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a revelator. It reveals God's truth to you. Yea, by the unspeakable gift of the Holy Ghost that has not been revealed since the world was until now which our forefathers have waited with anxious expectation to be revealed in the last times, which their minds were pointed to by the angels as held in reserve for the fullness of their glory. A time to come in which nothing shall be held. We all things will be taught to us by the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
whether there be one God or many gods, they shall be manifest. All thrones and dominions, principalities and powers shall be revealed and set forth upon all who have endured valiantly for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And also, and then he goes down here, we can skip the next two. 32, uh, according to that which was ordained in the midst of the council of the eternal God, of all other gods before this world was that should be reserved until the finishing and the end thereof, when every man shall enter into his eternal presence and into his immortal rest. Look at 34 through 36. This is the great uh, uh, verse of scripture about the many are called, but few are chosen. 34, behold, there are many called, but few are chosen. In other words, there were many people who were foreordained to callings within the church, even specific callings within the church. They were foreordained to these callings while we lived as spirit children of our Heavenly Father before we came to the earth. But out of those who were foreordained, fewer, few of them are going to live worthy of actually receiving that calling here on, on this earth. Why are they not chosen? Because their hearts are set so much upon the things of this world and aspire to the honors of man that they do not learn this one lesson. All they have to do is learn this one lesson, right? That the rights of the priesthood are inseparably connected with the powers of heaven and that the powers of heaven cannot be controlled nor handled upon only the principles of righteousness. The only way to control the heavens is by being righteous, because righteousness gives you a power. Those who have done their best to live close to the uh, righteousness of God can feel that power uh, with them. It is an actual power which can be felt. 37, that they may be conferred upon us, it is true. But when we undertake to cover our sins or to gratify our pride, our vain ambition, or to exercise control or dominion or compulsion upon the souls of the children of man in any degree of unrighteousness, behold, the heavens withdraw themselves. The spirit of the Lord is grieved, and when it is withdrawn, amen to the priesthood or the authority of that man. And then as a result, when the when the uh, uh, when the priesthood or authority is lost by that man, when the spirit of the Lord is grieved, when the heavens have withdrawn themselves, he's left to do what? To be like the apostle Paul prior to his uh, Christian conversion, right? To kick against the pricks in 38, right? To persecute the saints and to fight against God. And we see that over and over again. You know, in this world today, we see that, right? When those who have done this to themselves, they have committed sin and uh, and, uh, and are un, uh, living unrighteously. The heavens have withdrawn themselves. The Spirit of God has withdrawn itself from them. And what happens? They can't leave the church alone, can they? They go out, they attack the church. All They spend their whole time. They, they, uh, they do everything they can to make a lot of noise trying to persecute the saints of God and to say false things against the, the brethren, against the leaders of the church, which then comes back to what we looked at earlier in these lessons, that now they lose all hope in their life. They have no more hope. They're, uh, they're never going to have the priesthood. They forfeited the temple blessings. 
their generations upon generations that will come forth from them will also be cursed. They will also forfeit the priesthood and, and all of these things, right? And we see that over and over again. Let's look now at um, 39. And we have learned by sad experience that it is the nature and disposition of almost all men as soon as they get a little authority, as they suppose, they will immediately begin to exercise unrighteous dominion. Hence, therefore, many are called, but few are chosen. Now he talks about here, how do you use the priesthood, right? says, no power or influence can or ought to be maintained by virtue of the priesthood, only by persuasion. You persuade people, you know, to keep God's commandments, to come unto him. By long suffering, by gentleness and meekness and by love unfeigned, by kindness and pure knowledge, which shall greatly enlarge the soul without hypocrisy and without guile. Reproving between times with sharpness. No one has done that better than Jesus Christ. We see that pretty much every one of these lessons. He reproves with sharpness. But what does he do? He dies for you. He dies for your sins. Therefore, he, he says here, as he, uh, when moved upon by the Holy Ghost, you reprove with sharpness. And then showing forth afterwards an increase of love towards him or her whom thou hast reproved, lest he or she esteem thee to be his enemy, that he may know that, they faith, that thy faithfulness is stronger than the cords of death. Let thy bowels also be full of charity towards all men. We're commanded to love all men and to the household of faith. And let virtue garnish thy thoughts unceasingly. We should only be thinking of good things, good pleasant things, things of God. Then shall thy confidence wax strong in the presence of God. You will feel worthy to be in his presence. You will not be like those in the book of Revelation that are trying to hide in caves and under the rocks for fear of the glory of the Lord. No, you will feel comfortable to be in his glory. Confidence wax strong in the presence of God. And the doctrine of priesthood shall distill upon thy soul as the dews from heaven. The Holy Ghost shall be thy constant companion and thy scepter and unchanging scepter of righteousness and truth. And thy dominion shall be an everlasting dominion. And without compulsory means, it shall flow unto thee forever and ever. What a beautiful chapter. What a beautiful section here in the Doctrine Covenants. Again, God speaking to his prophet. Listen to all his great lessons in this section. Uncomparable to any other uh, the book of scripture. Let's look at now at section 122. Now God's still speaking here to his prophet, to Joseph Smith, and God says, the ends of the earth shall inquire after thy name. They want to know who is this Joseph Smith? You know, what, what did he as a prophet of God say? What did he do? And they want to know. Now look what happens here when they find out. There's Two responses to the prophet Joseph Smith. The fools, fools, those who are not educated, that are, have no wisdom, that are not intelligent, those hold the prophet Joseph Smith and the prophet, the current prophet, Russell M. Nelson, and future prophets, they hold them in derision. These are not the smart ones. These are not the wise ones. These are the fools, as God says here, the fools, those who are not intelligent, 
They may have gone to school. They may have some uh, memorization skills that they memorized uh, some uh, things to uh, do well on tests given by their teachers, but they have no wisdom. They are not intelligent. They are fools, according to God, who knows all things. The God that knows all things calls these people fools. Now, those who who, uh, who look to the prophets for guidance, for knowledge, for wisdom, to follow the paths of the Lord by listening to his prophets. Who are these people? They are the pure in heart and the wise. So the smart ones, the intelligent ones, listen to the prophets of God, and they go and they do what the prophets, speaking for God, say and do and, and, and teach to them. And the noble and the virtuous shall seek counsel and authority and blessings constantly from under thy hand, Joseph Smith, from under thy hand, Russell and Nelson, from under thy hand, the future prophets of the church. And thy people shall never be turned against thee by the testimony of traitors, the lambs of God, the true sheep of God. They may hear false the, the things false false accusations against the brethren, but the true lambs of God, those who love Jesus Christ, will not be deceived by these traitors. They will not forsake God. They will not leave the church. And although their influence shall cast thee into trouble and into bars and walls, thou shalt be had in honor and but for a small moment, and thy voice shall be more terrible in the midst of thine enemies than the fierce lion. They are scared. The, the fools of the earth, the unrighteous of the earth, are terrified of the voice of a prophet of God. They would rather hear a roaring lion getting ready to charge after them to tear them into pieces than they hear a voice of the prophet of God. Because of thy righteousness and thy God shall stand by thee forever and ever. Now here we get a great lesson coming up here. Watch the language here employed by the Lord. It's so beautiful. If thou art called Joseph Smith to pass through tribulation, and you can substitute your name there too. If, if you, uh, Jose and, and Joseph and, and, and Michael and Patel and, and, uh, you know, whatever your name is, if you are called to pass through tribulation, if thou art in perils among false brethren that are falsely accusing you, the great false accuser, of course, is Satan. So those who follow him, of course, would be false accusers of the servants of God. If thou art in perils among robbers, if thou art in perils by land or by sea, if thou art accused with all manner of false accusations, if thine enemies fall upon thee, if they tear thee from the society of thy father and mother and brother and sisters, and if with a drawn sword thine enemies tear thee from the bosom of thy wife and of thine offspring and thine elder son, although but six years of age, shall cling to thy garments and shall say, My father, my father, why can't you stay with us? Oh, my father, what are the men going to do with you? And if then he shall be thrust from thee by the sword, and thou be dragged to prison, and thine enemies prowl around thee like the wolves for the blood of the lamb, and if thou shouldst be 
cast into the pit or into the hands of murderers, and the sentence of death passed upon thee. If thou be cast into the deep, if the billowing surge conspire against thee, if fierce winds become thine enemy, if the heavens gather blackness and all the elements combine to hedge up the way, and above all, if the very jaws of hell shall gape open the mouth wide after thee, know thou my son or my daughter that these things shall give thee experience and shall be for thy good. Paul in Romans 8.28, all things, both good and bad, shall be good for those who love God. And that's the way it is, right? That all these things, God knows what experiences you as an individual person need in order to become polished and that God can continue to shape you as clay in the potter's hand to form you into the beautiful image of his son, Jesus Christ. He knows exactly what experiences, what tribulations, what trials you need to pass through so he can mold you into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. He will therefore make sure you have these experiences. The son of man, even Jesus Christ, has descended below all of these things. He left his high station at the very right hand of the Son of God to descend from that spot and that place as, 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 the, as the almighty Son of God, sitting at the right hand of the Father to come to the earth to be born as a babe, baby in Bethlehem. He says, the Son of Man hath descended below them all. Art thou greater than he? So when these things come upon you, just remember, Jesus Christ suffered more than anybody. Are you greater than he that you should not have to suffer, but he had to suffer? Keep that always in mind. Write this verse of scripture down, put it on your, uh, you know, on your wall or someplace where you can see it in those times. Therefore, hold on thy way, and the priests shall remain with thee, for their bounds are set. They cannot pass. Thy days are known, and thy years shall not be numbered less. Look, no matter how many adver adversaries, how many enemies you get, God has foreordained how many days, not only years, but days that you shall live. And your enemies will not be able to cut your days short, he says here. Did the same thing with Jesus Christ in the New Testament. They keep trying to kill Jesus, but it keeps saying they were not able to because his hour has not yet come. His time had not yet come. The day and the year of his appointed death had not yet come. Therefore, his enemies could not do anything to him in terms of killing him. Neither could they kill Joseph Smith until his day and his hour had come. Okay, so that brings us now to section 123. And we'll look at 7 through 17. It is an imperative duty that we owe to God, to angels with whom we shall be brought to stand. And also to ourselves, to our wives and children, who have been made to bow down with grief, sorrow, and care under the most damning hand of murder, tyranny, and oppression. Supported and urged on. I mean, they've been chased out of city after city, right? They've, the people, the, the wicked people have chased and persecuted the saints of God. They've been, put their leader and their prophet into prison. He says, and their, their wives and their children have been suffering with grief, sorrow, and care, and under the most damning hand of murder, tyranny, and oppression, supported and urged on and upheld by the influence of what? 
by the influence of that spirit, which has so strongly riveted the creeds of the fathers, that very evil spirit that created the Nicene doctrine, the false heresies of the so-called Christian church. These creeds are not found in the Bible. They began at Nicaea in 325 AD, roughly 300 years after the times of the writings in the Bible, 250 years after the book of Revelation. So 300 years later, they create these false, evil doctrines. They say that Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the Holy Ghost are, are one, that they have no body, that they're some sort of floating thing that just kind of floats around, That's that are everywhere, but at the same time, nowhere present. In other words, they are atheists. They do not believe in God. They do not believe in Jesus Christ. They do not believe in the resurrected Jesus Christ of the Bible. We've looked at this several times before. The only church upon the whole earth that believes in the Jesus Christ and the God of the Bible is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We cannot state that any more strongly or be any more clear about it. These creeds that those who are not members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and yet claim to be Christian, the creeds that they believe in are blasphemous heresies from the pits of hell. In the first vision, when the Father and the Son appear to Joseph Smith, Jesus Christ himself declared that those creeds are an abomination to him, that their leaders, their, their Christian pastors and ministers worship him. In, in, they pronounce his name, but their hearts are far from them. He pronounced them that they are corrupt individuals. It's that spirit that led to, these, to the worship of false gods, false Jesus Christ, false holy spirits that has brought this persecution of the saints of God, that has brought the murders of the saints of Jesus Christ. It's that same spirit. And wait till we hear a little bit more about this uh, going, going on here. He says that they have inherited the lies upon the hearts of the children and filled the world with confusion. These creeds were lies about God. They led to a lot of confusion among the so-called Christian churches. They led to the apostasy from the truth, to the loss of the priesthood of God, to the loss of the holy ordinances of the holy temple. It says, and has been growing stronger and stronger and is now the very mainspring of all corruption. And the whole earth groans under the weight of its iniquity, even the earth itself groans and mourns over this great wickedness that came from the spirit that brought about the false worship of God and the false worship of Jesus Christ through these evil, false, non-biblical creeds. It is an iron yoke. It is a strange band. And they are the very handcuffs and chains and shackers and fetters of hell. Those who worship the gods of the creeds, the Jesus Christ of the creeds, cannot be saved. 
they will be damned in hell unless they repent of their sins and come unto the true God, unto the true Jesus Christ, the resurrected Jesus Christ, who showed his hands and his feet. And he said, handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh as you see that I have. That is the God of the Bible. That is not the God of the creeds. The God of the creeds believes that he doesn't have a body, that he doesn't have flesh. They don't, they, totally contrary to what the Bible itself teaches about God. He says here, therefore, in nine, therefore it is an imperative duty that we owe, not only to our own wives and children, but to the widows and fatherless, whose husbands and fathers have been murdered under its iron hand, which dark and blackening deeds are enough. Now listen to this. These, this same spirit and these same types of people are so evil that, wait, wait till you see here in 10. This is incredible. Section 123, verse 10. Which dark and blackening deeds are enough to make hell itself shudder and to stand august and pale and the hands of the very devil to tremble and palsy. Satan himself, the devil, the most wicked person, you know, you know, the most wicked person on the earth, right? He shudders. He trembles. He shudders and he trembles that these people are so wicked. Even for him, even for him, he is shocked. He rebelled against God. He he he, he tried to take God off his throne and be, and throne himself as God as God himself. That's how wicked Satan is, right? He was then cast down from the heavens in the Revela in the book of Revelation with one third of the host of heaven. He was so wicked that he even led one third of the angels of the spirits of God, the spirit children of God, out of heaven uh, down to the earth as rebellious, uh, 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 rebellious uh, uh, fighters against God and His will. As wicked as that is, they shudder. And they tremble as to how wicked it is that these people invent false doctrines about God, false doctrines about Jesus Christ and these and these so-called Christian creeds. The devil knows that God has a body of flesh and bones. You know, the, the devil knows that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. You know, James says that the devil believes that, right? Of course he knows that. He knows a lot of things. He's very intelligent, right? He knows who God is and what kind of body. God has. He knows what kind of body Jesus Christ has. So when he sees the people invent these false ideas, false concepts, this so-called Trinity false doctrine, that the devil himself trembles, you know, he trembles and shudders at how wicked it is that they've invented this false worship that takes people and, and binds them in the, the shackles that leads them down to hell. That's how wicked this stuff is, and that they would then turn and persecute the saints of God, the leaders, the apostles, and the prophets of God, even the devil himself doesn't do that. I mean, it's just incredible how wicked that, that is. Okay, now let's go on to 11. And also it is an imperative duty that we owe to the all-rising generation and to the pure in heart. For there are many yet. Now, this is a great promise, and this is true, and we see it every day. For there are many yet on the earth, among all sects, parties, and denominations, who are blinded by the subtle craftiness of man and by these Christian creeds, wherefore they lie in wait to deceive, and who are only kept from the truth, because they know not where to find it. 
There are some pure-hearted people in these churches, in the Catholic Church, the Methodist, the Baptist, the Evangelical churches, all these churches, the Orthodox churches, all, they have some pure lambs of God who are just simply kept from the church because they don't know where to find it. And that's why it's important that we, that we, the members of the church of God, that we go out and find them and bring them and show them the true path, the way Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say, I am one of the ways, one of the truths, one of the, the, the he said, I am the truth, the way, and the life. So it's important that we go out and teach the people what is the way, the truth, and the life, which is God's true church as he has declared over a hundred times here in the Doctrine and Covenants to be the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so he can bless them. He wants to bless the people. He doesn't want them to be hidden, to be uh, uh, to, to, to have the truth hidden from them all their days and years of life. He wants them to come to the knowledge of the truth so that none shall perish, but all shall have eternal life. I'm leaving once again in the description of this video the link to reach out to the missionaries of the Church of Jesus Christ, his very missionaries who he has given the power and authority to help you along your Christian conversion to come unto him, to receive baptism, and to become a member of his church and kingdom upon the earth. I challenge you in the name of Jesus Christ, for those of you who are not members, to click on that link, reach out to the missionaries, embrace Jesus Christ into your hearts, embrace him into your lives, so that he can bless you. He stands at the door. He knocks. He just wants you to get up off your chair, off your couch from your table, to open that door and let him come in, to bless you in your lives. For those of you who have fallen in inactivity in the church, we welcome you with full arms. Come back, come back, embrace Jesus again. Embrace his blessings upon you. Become one of your heavenly father's children so he can fully bless you with that joy, with that happiness that you have experienced previously in your lives that you know is possible to receive again if you just come back to him. Reach out to your bishop. Reach out to your Relief Society and your oldest quorum presidents. Ask them to help you, and they will lead you back to the Lord and Savior of your lives. I testify that these things that we looked at again are true. These are the words of Jesus Christ. They are the words of God. They are scripture. They, they are the will and the power of God unto salvation. I declare the, my witness that the prophet Joseph Smith indeed was God's holy prophet who communed with Jehovah, received revelation from him to restore and bring back Jesus Christ's kingdom upon the earth in his church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Love it. Embrace it. Be blessed by it. We love you. We pray for you every day. Until next time, we leave our witness in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
Jesus, come on. 